Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. The Chili Bowl is in the books and here to break it down with us is Clinton Boyles who saw the event from both behind the steering wheel and in the announcer's booth for Flow Racing. Besides competing all week with his Rams racing team, Clinton spent time in the booth on the Flow Racing broadcast providing commentary and was in the booth for all of the Tulsa shootout as well. We talk how his Chili Bowl went, what it was like to be in the building this year, staying cool on track, how Larson got the win on Saturday, and a whole lot more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Clinton Boyles. Clinton, you just got back from the Chili Bowl. I guess let's start with, you know, your specific week, you know, how it went for you. I, I know it didn't end up how you wanted it to end up, but you were, it, it seemed like you guys were really fast every time you were on the track. Yeah, I felt like our whole team, you know, had a lot of speed and I just, uh, you know, I got impatient on my qualifying night and uh, I was running, I think, fifth there and, and tried to make a big move on Carson Macedo uh, for fourth and it didn't quite work out. Then I got stuck racing and then I got involved in, uh, you know, an incident and that was the end of the night. So it can definitely, you know, downhill spiral quickly. And then, you know, on Saturday, we were kind of coming through the mains and, and got caught up in someone else's mess again. So you just got to be perfect. And it uh, didn't quite, you know, work out for me this year, but you know, Parker Price Miller, my teammate, um, another World of Outlaw guy, had a, a good run going, and and uh, you know, just I felt like didn't quite have the car speed to be, you know, top two, three on this prelim night, and then uh, come Saturday, uh, got caught up in, in someone's mess. So that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but it was cool to work with Parker and Nick Hoffman, um, a modified guy, you know, coming in and trying his hand at it, and uh, I think we, you know, this was my first weekend uh with those guys essentially being in charge of everything coming off of uh you know changing teams and so I, I felt really good about the car speed we had um you know my crew chief is 18 year 19 years old and uh you know for him and I to work together and come out of the box like we did I feel really uh, good about the summer when you are, you know, like uh, there's a lot of things about the week I want to get into, but with, with your Rams team, when you're not on track, how much work are you doing kind of in between helping get cars turned around and, and, you know, talking to the guys about setups, like, what does that kind of look like on a night, uh, you know, on a nightly basis when you have someone that's running on your team and you're not racing? Um, it's, it's a hundred percent me. Um, you know, I'm kind of the guy in the shop and, you know, even before this Rams racing deal, the RMS team that I was with, uh, with Thomas Mesrell, it was, it was me and, you know, maybe one or two other guys in the shop hundred percent of the time. So I've kind of just, you know, gotten accustomed to being the guy that does all the work and building race cars and, you know, really building those baseline setups and trying to, uh, you know, expand on that and, and fine tune everything. So, you know, coming into this Rams racing deal, I, I kind of, uh, I leaned on Justin Grant a lot from uh, kind of his past setup notes and just trying to get an idea of where we'd need to be ballpark wise. And he was really helpful. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And, and I think that was huge. So, you know, throughout the week, it's, it's hundred percent me. And when Parker was racing, um, you know, I, I'd say it was, it was a lot me, but AJ too, um, AJ for, for as young as he is, he's worked with a lot of good teams and he, uh, he was really instrumental in, you know, doing uh, things on the cars, even though, I was in the booth, right? So I'm texting AJ, I'm in the announcer's booth and we're going back and forth. And, and, uh, you know, essentially he's got the final call, I guess. So if he, he could say, screw you, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do what you say. I'm going to do what I think is best. And, but you know, we get along really well. And I think that's why, uh, why we mess, we mess so good and, and just, you know, clicked right out of the gate. I definitely want to talk about your time in the booth, but you know, for somebody that's been to Chili Bowl as many times as you have now, and and kind of when you go year to year, and and even like kind of you know as you switch teams or whatever, how different 
are the setups of the race cars year to year? I mean, does the track really change much from year to year as you kind of bring the same basic package every time? I felt like this year was as different as it's ever been. You know, I felt like guys were kind of searching the whole time. Um, but year to year, you usually come in pretty close. I've just, you know, I've never came with the same car twice. So, uh, you know, going from different spike chassis to a boss chassis um, to stealth, it, it's all just a little bit different. But midgets are pretty simple in the fact that, you know, if, if you get your cross percentages right and, and kind of your weights right then you're going to be at least in the ballpark and from there you can you can tune it if you know what you're doing so um you know and that kind of goes back to just learning over the last couple of years being teammates with justin grand and you know teammates throughout the summer with thomas Meserol, uh get to work with donnie gentry you know i learned a lot and learned where we need to be on race cars to kind of just make them fast and uh i was able to you know go into that kind of with the same mentality and and uh, it all worked out so it's just, uh, you know, I think once you, whoever you are, once you kind of know that setup, that baseline, right, um, you can be good inside that building because it doesn't really change much. One of the things I feel like, and, and, you know, with you being able to be in the booth a lot this, you know, this last week or so, one of the things that always is interesting to see is like the different kind of configurations of cars and different body panels and all of these different things. And like, I feel like this year, all of a sudden now we're seeing these body panels like behind the drivers. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you saw guys like Christopher Bell who like basically ran like no left side body panels. And I, I'm wondering like, does that stuff like really help with arrow? Is that like setup stuff? Like with bell, was that more of a vision thing? Like when you look around the building and look at some of that stuff, like what are your impressions of that? To me, you know, it's, it's whatever makes you feel the best as a driver, right? Like I know some guys like the left side door and the right side, you know, closed up pretty good. Cause you almost feel like you're in an army tank, right? And like your vision is just straightforward. That's all you're focused on. You're not worried about what's going on around you. Um, but I think somebody like bell is probably, you know, can be a little bit more in tune with what's going on around them and still be focused on what, what he needs to be doing. So he likes to have that additional information, you know, just from being able to visually see stuff. But as far as like aerodynamics or anything like that, I don't think there's really any benefit to any of it, you know, and we even talked about like lightweight cars, you know, we see everybody build these crazy lightweight chili bowl cars. And, and uh, you know, I just don't know that it's a hundred percent necessary anymore because our engines are so good these days that, you know, we can pull a little bit of extra weight around if it means your car is not going to break on the slightest contact, you know? So the body, the body game and, and uh, you know, the weight game, I think we're getting ready to see probably a turn down at Chili Bowl and all that to where, you know, we don't have to have all these weird goofy body panels and we don't have to have, you know, every single lightweight piece you can buy. And um, it's just kind of, you know, a different time, but it is cool to see, you know, how creative guys get on stuff like that, you know, and, and uh, Chili Bowl, we definitely see some, some wild designs and wild bodies. And I think that's, what's, you know, really cool about it is there's no, real rules, I guess you could say, and, and people can get as creative as they want to. When you are getting ready now for kind of, you know, outdoor season or whatever, like how different are the cars from Chili Bowl to outdoor season? Are you really changing a lot of things? You know, are you really going to switch out body panels? And I know the tires and some of the other things are different, but what, you know, what really needs to happen now to get you guys ready for Florida? So the biggest thing for us is, uh, you know, tires and wheel width. So we go uh, Chili Bowl, we do 10 inch wide left rears and 12 inch wide right rears. And outdoors, we can only run a 10 inch wide right rear and an eight inch left rear. So we got to, you know, change our wheels around and uh, rebuild those. And then uh, other than that, it's not a whole lot different, maybe a different shock package. And um, that's just, you know, that kind of changes track to track. But it's just uh, for us, it's not much. It's just, you know, wheels, tires and 
and uh, just going through the card and making sure it's still, you know, all good from, from Chili Bowl. So we, uh, we didn't completely tear our cars down before Chili Bowl. We were pretty confident with where they were, you know, heading into it. So I'll probably do a little more thorough tear down here before Florida and, and uh, you know, just kind of make sure everything's ready to go and uh, see what happens. This year was like the first year that I've like really watched the shootout. Like I, you know, I've, you know, working for the outlaws and doing the things that I did with Ross and, you know, with us bringing him to the, you know, to the chili bowl in whatever 2017 or 2018, you know, I've, I've known about the chili bowl, but the shootout was kind of this like on the periphery thing. And this year with it being on flow, I finally like sat down and like watched a bunch of it. And, and like, one of the things that really stood out to me was like you being in the booth. And I'm curious how that deal came together. And, and, you know, is that something you've done a lot before? Cause like, I mean, you killed it all week long. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Um, no, that, that actually kind of started on a weird deal. Like four years ago, um, I locked into a three day race when I was racing the war sprints back in Missouri, it was the hockey Memorial race. And, and, uh, Scott trailer, the owner of racing boys asked me to come up in the booth and just, you know, talk a little bit throughout some of the, the non-locking heat races and stuff like that. And I think it went over well. And, uh, he asked me to come down to shootout. I was racing that year and like just, you know, stop by in the booth. If you get some time, hang out with us. And, you know, we'd love to get your perspective on things. And from there, it kind of snowballed. So I guess this was like my third year kind of doing it full time uh, for the shootout. And it's just, uh, it's something I really enjoy doing just a different aspect of, of what I do. And, and I think, you know, as far as the racing side of it, I love to hit every single different thing I can. I've been a crew, an infield crew worker before when I have a weekend off at, you know, my local micro track and just, I try to see all sides of our sport because I think, you know, you can learn from it. And at some point we're not all going to be drivers anymore. So, you know, if I can find something within racing that I can do and um, decent at, then I think that's, uh, that's cool. So, you know, maybe this announcing thing will take off one day and I can do something a little bit different. I think that's one of the things that really, you know, it added to the shootout broadcast. And then the same thing with the chili bowl with, with you and kind of Kevin Swindell swapping out through the week when you guys were available it really brings something extra to the broadcast. And I, I know you guys are kind of in a weird position over there, like where that booth is. Yeah. Like, are you able to like, how much are you really able to see from that booth? And then how much are you trying to pay attention to like what's actually happening on the monitors? So uh, a lot of what we do is the monitor. I mean, it's just, it's kind of tough to see from where we're at this year was a little bit better than normal. Just uh, the position of our booth changed. And I think it was like six inches higher. Um, so it was a little bit better, um, but I spend a lot of my time trying to stand. I actually stand on the chair they give me to sit in um, and try to watch the races and, and the racetrack and then keep an eye on the monitor since I'm not, you know, the main call guy. So I, uh, I try to keep an eye on what's going on, but it's tough to see down there sometimes. And, and you definitely miss some of what's going on. And, um, you know, luckily we do have two monitors in there to keep an eye on, on everything that they're showing on TV. And, you know, we can try and relay that to the fans. How much like research are you doing in advance of that? Are you trying to run around through the building beforehand to try to get, you know, to t- talk to guys and see what's going on through the day? And then like, I know you guys are kind of, it seemed like you were getting text messages and tweets a lot kind of through the night with, with other information. Like how much does that happen also as you're, as you're in it? So I'm, I, I'm bad. I should do more research <laughs> going into this. I'm super lazy. Uh, but I luckily I'm, you know, I'm in pretty good with uh, Brian Walker, Walkopedia. And a couple other, you know, group messages that are super involved in the the micro racing deal down there. So I'm getting pretty lifetime updates through them and on what's going on and stuff like that. But my, you know, Brian Ward, uh, Caleb, they do a good job of going out before the races and kind of getting some of that pre-information that just kind of covers general topics. And then 
luckily I have those connections kind of bring lifetime updates, you know, that we can't go handle outside the booth. So just, uh, yeah, I mean, Walkopedia is the main one. He is, he's on top of it and he wasn't even there this year and he, he knew what was going on before anyone else. So that's, uh, you know, luckily we have those outlets. Well, one of my favorite things for the week was, is, you know, with having you guys in that booth, you guys end up seeing things that, the fans at home don't see and understand. And and then like even the other announcers in the booth, like don't see and understand. And like a couple of examples is like Swindell talking about, I think it was Kaylee Bryson, Kaylee Bryson or Holly Hall. Maybe it was Holly Hall and her car, like locking up into turn one, like she jumped on the brakes hard and then the engine quits and she just kind of slides off. You know, he notices that then breaks it down. And like, like the, I feel like one of the big moments of the week is Daniel Robinson with his finger out the window, flipping off Sammy. And it was like, you were the yeah. first one to say something about that. And like, I'm curious, like, you know, is it like, how are you watching the race differently than we're watching the race? Like, you know, what, what are you looking for? What are you trying to see when you actually watch a race? I don't know. You know, I I guess, you know, maybe when you're uh, the primary announcer, you're just kind of calling the general flow of the race. And that allows me to kind of sit there and watch a little bit more of the specifics that's going on. Or, you know, maybe I'm just kind of being a racer in my head, I'm predicting and seeing the flow before it happens a little bit. And so I can kind of, double check myself and make sure that that happens on a a more fine tooth note. So there's a, I don't know, it's just something, I guess, that being a driver, you, you see, and you recognize better than somebody that maybe hasn't done it as long as Kevin or I has. And, and, uh, but I guess it's as like, I felt like one of the, every year there's one big thing that, you know, kind of goes on that we call or see like this year, I don't know if you were watching, but Christopher Bell half spun in one of the nominee features, uh, running second, trying to throw a slider on the leader like I picked up on, he had got up on the berm and actually hit his brake at the wrong time, whether it's because his foot bounced or what. And that's what half spun him on the slider and kind of cost him the whole race. And it's just little things like that, that, you know, I feel like having our experience, we kind of know what that feels like being in the race car and we can kind of, you know, translate that out to the fans as opposed to someone that's just trying to look at it and decipher what happened in that moment. Uh, you know, seeing it from all of the different sides that you got to see the Chili Bowl this year, I, I guess I'm curious your overall kind of impressions of this year's Chili Bowl. You know, I know we had kind of that weird night with the track rubbering and, and you know, Larson, you know, leading all of the laps. Like, I certainly didn't expect mm-hmm. Larson to dominate, you know, on Saturday night the way he did. And, you know, but when, when you kind of look back, what are things that are going to stand out to you about this last year's Chili Bowl? I think the biggest thing, first and foremost, is like the limited capacity. I know a lot of people that watched online maybe didn't realize how limited it was just because it looked like the stands were fairly full, but you know, every other row was blocked off. So, you know, if the stands were half full, well then you cut it in half again, and that's about your 25%. And that was huge back in the pit area. I mean, normally we're trying to push up to staging and the fans are looking at you like you're in their way and you know, what the heck are you doing trying to push a race car through here? And so it's just little things like that from, you know, a driver standpoint that I'm going to remember and enjoy about this one. Um, but from the fan side of it, you know, you missed out on having that little bit of adrenaline rush just from walking in the building and knowing that the energy in the building is going to be next level today. And, you know, especially Friday, Saturday, it's just, you didn't quite have that high energy intensity feeling, uh, those final days that, that normally do. So that was, you know, that was kind of a moment on that end, especially for some of the people that that did it for their first time down there. And I felt like this year had potential to be the, you know, most widely covered chili bowl. Yeah. This is my 22nd chili bowl. So I've seen pretty much everything and this one could have been big, but I think next year will be even bigger for sure. 
when you kind of look at the feature on Saturday night and, and, you know, I talked about, you know, Larson there, you know, when you saw him on his prelim night, he was good. He was fast. He won, but like, you know, watching him in the Viroc and some of the other stuff, like it just didn't seem like he had the pace of some of the other guys. And I'm wondering on Saturday, like, do you think that him and Paul made big adjustments to that car to make it better? Or do you think like that, that, you know, the way the track went and the clean air that he had was just enough for him to stay out front of Bell and Grant. I think, I, I think it was the track and clean air more than anything. You know, I think on his prelim night, Timez was faster than he was. He could yeah. set a better pace around the top side and just couldn't capitalize because of the way the track was, you know, Kyle maybe just ran a little bit smarter race or had the position when he needed it. So I think, you know, if that first start goes on Saturday where Grant gets the jump and uh, you know, he'd put a half straightaway on Kyle before, you know, we got the lap in and I was like, wow, he is fast. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a different story if Grant gets the jump and, they're going to at least have to race for it really hard. I don't know if Grant could have held him off in the late stages of that deal um, or even Bell maybe, but it would have been a lot different when you get Kyle and Christopher racing for a second when Grant's your leader um, trying to, you know, just get away and pick through traffic. Uh, but that clean area is huge. The way the track played out, you know, we didn't really have our 25 laps around the bottom. It kind of moved up fairly quick and, and got really ledged up. And then the bottom was super narrow for some reason. So we were just pretty much locked in and, as long as Kyle didn't make a mistake on the cushion, he was going to be really, really tough to beat. It's just hard to clear somebody with a slide job when you're driving it in that fast and that hard and, you know, it's sticking for everybody. So just a, you know, a different track, but I think that's why him and, and Bell mainly are always so good is because they can adapt to whatever track we get, you know, in that instant and just be mistake free on something like that. I think, you know, and I mentioned this on my daily show on Monday, but like, I felt like Bell's, you know, kind of incident was like almost like desperation, right? Like he just like, he was trying to make something big happen because he knew that he was going to have to get really close and, and you know, throw a big move. Like, do you, do you feel that same way from, from your kind of driver perspective? Yeah, I do. And, and I felt like he was trying to get a really good run through three and four because most of Kyle's little mistakes that he had made came in turn one. So if he was going to throw a side job and have a shot at clearing, it needed to be in turn one. So he was trying to run a hero three and four to, you know, have that big momentum side job into turn one and hope for something to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you were coming to the white flag there. I think we were two yeah, left to go. One or, one or two to go there. Yeah. And so, you know, he knows it, it's now or never. And he's not going to settle for second place. Right. You know, he's here to win. So it was cool to see him laid on the line from my perspective and, you know, every other fan's perspective, he's not going to just take it easy and not chance, you know, wrecking the car. So, but I, I do agree. I think it was a little bit of a last second effort to try and make something happen that maybe wasn't there and it just, you know, didn't pan out for him. How treacherous is that like kind of curb when it builds up like that? It seems like, you know, kind of gets to be like a couple inches tall and guys are kind of able to lay the right rear on it. But man, it's like, if you make one tiny little mistake, it goes bad real fast. It's just, yeah, it's really hard because you can't cheat it at all. Right. If you cheat it inside into it, that's when you're really in trouble. And so you do have to hit it with wheel spin and, and, uh, but it's just, it's such a fine line on what's too much wheel spin to get you sideways to where it tosses the nose over you're spinning out or, you know, are you too straight? Um, not enough wheel spin and it's just a feel thing, but man, it is, it's so difficult to do. And, you know, I kind of found that on uh, Monday night, my prelim night, we had a big cushion like that too. And it was about six, eight inches tall and it was enough to eat you up if you didn't know what you were doing. And so it's uh man, you have to be absolutely perfect on that. And to like watch those guys be perfect for 55 laps is crazy. That's uh, you know, I think that's one of my biggest deals that holds me back is, you know, 
limiting my mistakes. And I think that's 95% of the drivers inside that building just need to limit their mistakes and they'd be really good. So that's, you know, Kyle and Christopher, obviously next level, they have a better feel for their car, I think, than most of us do. And just, you know, are so much more precise than we can be because they, you know, are just perfect. Uh, watching the races in there. And it's like one of the things that, that I really like about, about the midgets and, you know, kind of coming from, you know, a short track asphalt background, it seems like contact and, and guys kind of beating and banging as it happens a little more on the asphalt side, but that's like one thing with the midgets that you do get for whatever reason, like, it mm -hmm. seems like you guys just don't care about like beating the crap out of each other. And like, especially at chili bowl, when you've got heat races and qualifiers, like where you've got to go, but like when you get smashed into like that, like, are you like pissed in the car? Because like, I don't know how you couldn't be like, I know I would be wanting to like spin everyone out if I got wrecked. Yeah, no, it's super tough to control your emotions uh, for sure. And like, that's something I talked uh, to Kyle about a lot one night after the races, I was like, you know, I, I struggled with that a little bit. I got racing Chris Wyndham really hard and that's how I put myself in a bad spot with Carson Macedo on that side job. And that was, you know, cost me. I'm like, how do you, you know, how do you keep your head so well about you? And he's like, you just, you know, you just got to take each corner for each corner and nothing before nothing after. Right. And and uh, we were talking about in the Viroc race when Thorson threw that yeah. big old side job on him, you know, on his prelim night. It's like, holy cow. I was like, dude, how did you not, you know, you picked up your game a little bit, but how did you not just lose your mind and, and want to go track him down or, you know, shut it down or whatever you do? It's like, just, you know, take each corner for what it's worth, go on to the next one and, and try and be really good at that corner. So there's just little, little mental cues that, that you can go through, I guess, and, you know, check yourself and, you know, re- um, reevaluate whatever situation you're in and try and be better the next corner. And I think that's, that's the hardest part because it is really easy when someone runs into you or you make a mistake to lose your head and, and let it snowball into something more than it never should have been. When you kind of get done with one of those situations, whether it's a feature or heat race or whatever, like I know you're probably friends with a lot of guys, but I know that there's other guys that you're not cool with, but like how often if somebody does something like that, like, do you go say something? You're like, Hey man, like that was bullshit. Like, do you, do you do that? Or are you just like, ah, whatever it is, what it is. I guess. So me, not very often, I, I guess I'm a little more old school. And I, I think I made a tweet about this at some point, someone being a chihuahua or something, you know, just going and yelling, but I'm a little more old school. Like if I'm going to walk down to your trailer and I'm going to say something, I, I'm walking down with probably the intentions of this is probably going to turn into a fist fight. So like, <laughs> I almost never walk down. Right. Cause I just, that's not me, but, um, you know, I, I just hate there's pointless for somebody to go down and yell and yell and yell and cause a scene. And it's just not needed. Right. I guess it's a little bit of drama or whatever, but that's not me. If you're going to walk down and, and we're going to yell, let's do something about it. If not, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. Just go on with your day. I'm curious to the, you know, the, one of the big stories about Saturday was, was McDougal's run, obviously, you know, for him to go as far along as he did and keep, keep coming from the back to the front and, and then for it to have it go sideways with him and Bernal making contact like that, you know, it felt like Bernal all of a sudden was like the most hated guy in the building and the most hated guy on social media. And it's like, I know he's like, not that kind of guy, but you know, it, it, as you watched that, like, what were your kind of feelings about how that kind of played out? I, yeah. So I was watching the back of the trailer and it was like, Oh no, you know, you just have that gut feeling that like that went bad really fast. Yeah. And like you said, Bernal is not that kind of guy. We never see him drive through anyone or, you know, even when he's racing on the West coast, it's just not somebody that, that wrecks people. So like, I'm sure that wasn't his intentions, but you're not going to walk down and tell McDougal that and never convince him that, you know, you didn't mean to, you're supposed to be good enough to have enough car control that you don't make a mistake like that, especially in that situation. Right. And, 
earlier in that race, I was racing with Jason and, and I knew what kind of run he had going. It's like the last thing I want to do is be the guy that takes out Jason McDougal inside this building when he's having a run like that. Like that's, that's his home turf. So I, I felt terrible for Jason. We used to live together and I, you know, I know <laughs> we talked before that race, how much fun he was having, you know, running up through there. So that was, uh, that was hard to see, I think for everybody, you know, more than Jason. And I think Jason handled it really well, not, not blowing it up any bigger than it needed to be. Um, and you know, that speaks a lot about Jason, I think. When you're kind of in one of those situations on Saturday where you're trying to go mains, like, do you have to look at those races differently? It's like, I feel like it's kind of weird that you kind of have to be aggressive, but almost like a little bit patient at the same time. But like, how do you kind of approach those situations? Um, I don't know. It's super weird. Right. Cause, uh, I think three years ago I passed 51 cars. I went through five mains on Saturday too. And something about it just starts flowing and you don't know what it is. You just, you start getting in a rhythm and, and, uh, I think Jason feels the same way. They were interviewing him and they asked him, you know, do you need a break? He's like, no, I just want to keep going. And you kind of get that mojo about you, right. And, and a little swagger and you roll out saying, I'm, I'm going to pass all these guys. And I don't know that you race any different than maybe you normally would. It just something, you know, at the start of that run falls your way and you start feeling confident. And, uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is just being really confident in your car and in yourself. And that's huge. The whole week is just walking in that building saying I'm better than everyone else in here and, and I'm going to go, you know, beat them. So I think you get that confidence about you, especially after you, uh, probably had a bad prelim night and then things you know can really start to go well for you. Uh, we've seen, you know, Brian Walker with his Wikipedia account talking a lot about the like rookie situation inside the Chili Bowl and, and you know, whether we need to like turn Monday into some sort of rookie night and, and you know, all of that. Like, do you have yeah. opinions on that? Do you agree with that? Like, what do you think? Um, yeah, so they used to have a rookie night and it was I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I felt like it kind of weeded out some of the guys that maybe shouldn't be there that just show up to run a race car for the first time or a midget for the first time and don't really have any experience. And it keeps the guys that probably deserve to have a chance at the prelim night. Right. And I, I'm a fan of the rookie night idea, or, you know, at least having some sort of requirement because there are guys, you know, I think we saw it with Stenhouse there where yeah. you know, somebody had never been in a midget didn't, you know, and not hating on that guy at all, but man, that's a big stage to put yourself on especially starting front row, knowing that you don't really know what's going to happen come turn one and take out somebody like Ricky's night. And luckily Ricky was able to rebound, but dude, it's just, I, I would never want to be that guy. Right. And I guess maybe I look at it different, but Chili Bowl is such a big deal to so many people. Why would you want to be that guy that comes in and, and runs it? So maybe rookie night's not a terrible idea to kind of weed out some of the people. And, you know, last year we were up at three sixty, three seventy car count. And that's just so many, and, you know, with 50, 60, that's those guys being rookies, if we could get rid of, you know, half of those, even they kind of lower our car counts back down and bring it back to, uh, you know, something just a little bit more normal and not have to worry about some of that silly stuff that can go on. As you, you know, kind of look back on the week, are there drivers that impressed you? Are there guys that you felt like stood out, you know, with performances either on prelim nights or on Saturday? Ooh, I, I feel like I've watched so much racing in the last two weeks now between shootout and chili bowl. It's hard to pick, you know, any one person out, um, or, or even a couple and be like, wow, he was, he was really good. I think, you know, one that stands out for me was Jacob Denny just cause he was on my night and, you know, he went out and beat Wyndham and I in our qualifier, I think, and, you know, had a good run in the feature. Um, but he races back in Indiana and the D two stuff, I believe a little bit. So I kind of knew who he was and kind of knew that he had some potential there. Um, 
but it's dude i've watched so much race and i i don't know that i can call a single guy out <laughs> now that we're past chili bowl like what's next you know for you and and you know the the rams team like you know what are your kind of plans for the season so we're gonna run uh kind of a limited schedule. We're not going to run any USAC points or power points, just, you know, hit and miss some of the big races around the country and, and travel a little bit. And I think we're also going to kind of have a random second car, maybe even third car that we throw some guys in throughout the year um, along with myself. So, you know, we're uh, right now we're in the middle of trying to switch shops and, and get all that stuff done. And then I think I don't, we're not planning on Florida at the moment. We're probably going to head to port city um, in March and start the season off there. And, and, uh, as far as I know right now, we'll have a second driver. Just can't quite announce that yet, but just, you know, stuff like that. So we'll go hit fun races throughout the year. We'll throw somebody in the car that we think needs a shot, deserves a shot, um, you know, see what they can do, see if they can earn it and go from there. There's been after, uh, you know, during Chili Bowl, after Chili Bowl, they've already gotten so many phone calls. Rick and Jeff have our owners about, you know, people want to drive. I think there was a little bit of doubt going into that on, you know, not having Justin there who kind of ran the whole team, how things were going to go. And, you know, they see obviously that Rick and Jeff still have an incredible team and, you know, have some good people involved with them and we have the ability to be fast. So I think there's a lot of interest in, uh, you know, the Rockwell Rams security guy or uh, Rockwell security Rams racing guys right now. When you are going to set that schedule, are you looking for high paying races? Or are there just certain racetracks you like to go race at? Like, how are you going to make those decisions? So, yeah, I mean, money is a little bit of it, um, but obviously there's just not a ton of money in mid racing at this point. I think there's a lot of guys making good efforts to, to change that, you know, and, um, but our guys like to run for prestige, right? So like the Hangtown 100 is kind of a new race, but it's a really cool race. Um, that's already, I feel like special to win. So we're going to go run that out at the end of the year. Obviously the BC 39 is a huge race, um, that, you know, if you win it, that's, that's a really cool deal. And then, you know, you throw in midget week, um, maybe power ride speed week, stuff like that. So just the kind of the, the prestigious races throughout the year, um, that we can run the, kind of the, the speed week deals. And then, uh, you know, maybe a couple more tune up races before some of those big races, just to kind of make sure we're fresh and ready to go. Are we going to see you, uh, in a sprint card all this year? Yeah, no, I'll definitely be in a sprint car this year. What sprint car I'll be in, I'm not 100% sure. I have a, a wing 410 car that I own, and I will be in it, you know, throughout the summer. Um, you know, just catching races here or there when time allows. But trying to put together a couple other things to run, you know, some more wing 360 stuff potentially, and then even, you know, back of the non-wing stuff some. So it'll be a little bit different year as far as schedule goes for me and not just running, you know, local Indiana stuff every weekend. But I, uh, you know, I will definitely be in a sprint car throughout the summer, um, running around the country. I know this is always a dangerous question, but do you have a favorite of these between wing, non-wing and, and the midget? Um, <laughs> right now the midget's my favorite, man. I had so much fun, you know, this summer racing for the RMS guys and, and, uh, you know, just getting to be in a midget from first time all year. Um, I never really ran midgets before this. And so I learned a lot and they're so exciting to race. And like you said, you're not afraid to go out there and kind of bump and lean on people to an extent and you know just race so hard and i think they're the most competitive car right now um but other than that if i had to pick wing or non-wing i think i'm going wing sprint car it's just there's something about it and the way you have to race and and uh the air uh is huge you know and, and little things like that i think is just really cool i love the technical side of it more than just kind of stack up and you know drive it in deeper than the next guy like you do in the non-wing racing if I remember correctly, I think you're like a, you're a little bit of a taller guy, right? You're like six, one, six, two, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Six, two. Do you fit well in a midget? I do not. No, <laughs> I, I fit horribly in a midget. Um, but 
you know, there's just a, there's a few things we can do. Like we cut our seat bar out and move it down and forward a little bit to try and drop me in the car. But room is, is a premium for me and a midget. It's tough. And, you know, we kind of fought that getting ready for Chili Bowl because we didn't have enough time to, to make some of the adjustments we needed to do, but it's uh yeah, that's tough. Getting comfortable in any race car is kind of tough, tough for me. And I think that's why I've done more sprint car stuff in the past, just because I can't get comfortable in a car. And that's a, that's a huge factor. One of the things I was going to ask you about before that I forgot that I, I want to not you know forget to ask you about here is is Hoffman, him like yeah. running the throttle with his hand in that race like how did like it, how is that possible like it, like and for him like just miss out on a transfer by one like is that like something you know you've heard of before like how many guys like in those situations you think would have just pulled off? Well, no, I've never heard of that before, and I think probably ninety five percent of open wheel racers would have just pulled off, but. I think Hoffman just kind of has that, I don't know, a different mentality. And I don't know if it's because he's a modified late model guy or what, or he just really wanted to race, but he had a different mentality to reach down there and try and fix it at first, realize he wasn't going to be able to fix it. And then, uh, you know, just adapt and do the best he can because, you know, every position matters there. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I loved getting to work with Nick. He's, he's a lot of fun and, you know, he brings a lot of knowledge to the team, even if it's, you know, some of the stuff he knows from the modified late model stuff that we can apply it. Um, to what we're doing. So it was cool to get to work with Nick. He'll be back in the car this summer, some, and uh, you know, looking forward to racing with him throughout the summer and getting him a little better shot at, at Chile. But I felt like, you know, on my end, maybe in the shop a little bit, I shortcut him on not catching something like that throttle uh, linkage, not being proper. And uh, you know, just little stuff like that, that can run your chili bowl. So he'll, uh, he'll have a better shot at it, you know, this summer, next year. And, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun to watch. When you get opportunities like that to have, you know, a guy like Parker Price Miller, who's, you know, a, a World of Outlaws winged guy, and then you've got Hoffman on the other side, who's a modified guy. Like, can you learn things from those guys as, as a week goes on like that? A little bit. Yeah. I, you know, I felt like they were leaning on me a lot, just trying to figure out the midget stuff. But, you know, I can learn stuff because they like a little different feel out of the car. And, you know, maybe that works better for the car in those situations, um, you know, that that I might not be as comfortable driving. But if it makes more speed, that's what we got to do. So, you know, Parker doesn't like the car super late, right. Um, just, you know, from the wing experience. So he, uh, you know, we, we figured out a balance where the car could be more stable, but still try and carry speed, which is kind of the opposite of what I've had. I, I like a little more unstable car, I guess, that feels more locked down on the track. So there's stuff like that. And then, you know, Hoffman, we learned a lot of tire stuff, you know, how to groove tires, how to, um, grind tires and, and stuff like that. That's, you know, we, we can apply. I think the open wheel guys are about light years behind the fender guys on, you know, shocks and, and tire work and stuff like that, that, you know, we can really start doing our homework on and, um, you know, find a little bit of a speed there. Cool. Well, uh, I'll let you go. Uh, where can fans keep up with you? Uh, if they want to follow you, you know, see what you got going on this year. Yeah, man. Twitter, Twitter's the main thing. It's uh Clinton boils 98 on Twitter and, and uh, give me a follow on there. And that's where uh, most of my, my updates come from. I guess, obviously on Facebook too, but uh, Facebook gets a little overwhelming sometimes. So Twitter's the main one. Cool. Well, uh, Clinton, we appreciate the time today and uh, good luck this season. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on.
After what we heard at the Chili Bowl and Tulsa shootout, there is no doubt that Clinton has a future in media if he wants it. He did a fantastic job on the broadcast, bringing in that driver's perspective and really added something to the show. It was great to get to talk Chili Bowl and midgets with him. You can see him all season long racing around the country between midgets and sprint cars. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.